podcast is presented to you by High Desert Word Center in Barstow, California. For more information, visit hdwc.org. Hey everybody, welcome to the Sunday night service. Thank you for tuning in. I want to say what an awesome blessing it's been uh, to have everybody tuning in all these weeks and months now and just being so faithful to still be in touch with the Lord and in touch with church. We love you guys so much and we know the best is yet to come, but it is an exciting time to be alive. You know, we're seeing so much prophecy fulfilled every single day. You don't even have to stretch it. You don't even have to go looking that far. It's all over the place and it's an exciting time to be alive. So let's go ahead and pray. We're going to get into the message tonight and then we'll of course do our tithes and offerings at the end. But I want to thank you for tuning in with us. Let's pray. Father in Jesus name, we thank you Lord for the wonderful people of High Desert Word Center, Lord, and anybody else that's tuning in right now, we thank you, God, for their hearts, for their diligence, for their loyalty to you. God, I pray that as we study the Word of God tonight, that you will bless them, that you will speak to them, that you will bring peace, comfort, healing, that you will challenge them, Lord, to do better than they've ever done before, because, God, we want to be challenged to go to the next level. We love you. In Jesus' name, amen. So, the title tonight, this is kind of a different message, but the title is Why You Need Church. Now, for some people, I mean, we don't even need to talk about this because they get it. They could probably tell me stuff and teach me stuff about it. But in our modern day and age and and in the world we live in right now, yet again, another prophecy that Jesus talked about, he said that, If possible, even the very elect will be deceived. And he was saying that Christians themselves will be deceived. I mean, it doesn't shock me when I see the unsaved world deceived because they, you know, they're they're following uh, what their father, the devil, is telling them to do. Their uh, their eyes are blinded right now. So it's no shock to see the unsaved world and, and people that are not Christians deceived. But Jesus said that in these last days, even the very elect, even Christians themselves will be deceived. So one thing throughout, especially the course of 2020, I mean, I've seen it in previous years, seen it my whole life. But one thing that I definitely seen in 2020 is uh, uh, an attitude and a newfound, I guess, passion. I don't know what to call it for people talking about why church is not necessary for the Christian. Now, as we get into this, it would be easy to look at me and say, well, of course you think church is important. You're a pastor. You you should. You you have to. But I'm going to tell you now, yeah, I was raised in church. Um, my dad, you know, was my pastor, of course, growing up. But even when I moved out, even when I was in college, I went to church several times a week. Katie and I, you know, we went to two colleges simultaneously and we uh, worked full time, 40 hours a week. Of course, it was a little easier because we didn't have kids, but we were up at the crack of dawn and didn't get home till 10 o'clock at night after we'd gone to school and uh, gone to work, worked an eight hour shift after all of that. But we still went to church a minimum of twice a week. We tithed, we served, we, we, we're, this is not just something that I preach. This is something I've lived by my entire life. And I believe the benefits are crucial. And it is what a healthy Christian does. 
So I, you know, I see this cute meme online all the time that says going to church doesn't make you a Christian any more than standing in a garage makes you a car. Well, duh. Everybody knows that. And there's a lot of good truth to that because there are some people that are not saved that do go to church. They may think, well, I've been a member of this prestigious church for so many years. Of course, I'm going to heaven. And absolutely, that does not make you going to heaven just because you go to church. And I don't I don't know any evangelical Bible believing Christian that would actually believe that. So it is true that going to church doesn't make you a Christian. And it's also true that you don't technically have to go to church to be a Christian. But it is a lie from the devil that you can be just as strong as I am or any other church member that's connected and hooked up and 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 believe in God. You cannot be as strong as those people if you don't go to church. So, yeah, if, if your goal in life is to simply survive and and just barely skim into heaven, then, you know, by all, do it your way. You know, lean to your own understanding. Absolutely go do it. But it's a lie from hell that you can be just as strong as a connected, hooked up believer that goes to church and you never go to church. That's a lie. And that's going to absolutely damage your life. You know, uh, one time uh, when several years ago, when Joel, my oldest son, was. I don't know, maybe three years old or something. Uh, you know, he, he's always had a heart for sharing the gospel. So one day at, at the store, I run into this very, uh, I don't know, we use the word flake, but flaky guy <laughs> here in Barstow, uh, that, you know, I'd come to church off and on and stuff. And anyway, so, but Joel didn't remember that. Uh, Joel didn't know the man. So I'm just talking to this guy, shooting the breeze and, and Joel says, well, where do you go to church? And, you know, the guy was uncomfortable and everything, but he said, well, son, my church is right in here. We are the church. And Joel, at, even at three years old, just looked at him like, what's wrong with this guy? I mean, that's the stupidest thing I've ever heard. Now, listen, yes, I agree. We are the church. Again, I'm going to say no duh. Every Christian knows that. Every Christian believes that, that we as a whole are the church, we are the body of Christ, the bride of Christ. Yes, we get that. But just because we are the church doesn't mean we shouldn't go to church. And if the devil can use this lie to separate you from a body of believers, whether it's High Desert Word Center or any other church, you know, this, this message isn't even for our church member. This is for anybody in the world that will listen right now that the devil would love for you to buy into this and say, oh, I don't I don't need church anymore and 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 separate yourself from a body. You are an easy target. You're easy pickings for the devil in this end time that we live in. If there has ever been a time that Christians should hook up to their church and stay connected, it's right now in the end times. And so I'm going to look at four quick reasons tonight why Church is essential. Why you need church. Okay. And so again, I, I just want to preface this, man. You know, uh, High Desert Word Center is doing awesome. Our attendance is great. Our finances are great. So this is just something the Lord's stirring on my heart for anybody that'll listen. This is not a, you know, well, you know, people aren't coming to church. People are coming to church in groves right now at High Desert. So it's awesome. But this is for anybody that'll listen because God told me to share this with who, whosoever will hear tonight. All right. So we're going to look at a few reasons why you 
need church, all right? Number one is to learn the Bible, to learn the Bible. Now, of course, church is not the only place that you can learn the Bible. You can study it on your own, which you should be doing. If you're a Christian, you should have a desire to read your own Bible. You should be listening to good, uplifting podcasts and broadcasts. You should be studying with other believers. You can learn the Bible through all of those ways, but you can't replace having a pastor that God called you to teaching you the word of God. Why is it so important to have your pastor, whether that be me or dad or, or, or wherever your church is in the world, uh, why is it so important to have your pastor teaching you the word of God? Well, there's this word the Bible uses called the anointing. The anointing. And there's several kinds of anointing mentioned in the Bible, but I like the way Isaiah talked about it. He said that the, the anointing removes the burdens and it destroys the yokes in your life. A yoke is something that, that binds you and, and, and holds things together. Well, sometimes we've been yoked to this world. We've been connected to things that we need to be disconnected from. And the anointing, it removes burdens. It destroys things that have been holding us to other things that we should not be held to and bound with. And I'm going to tell you this. You are not anointed to pastor yourself. You are not your own pastor. I am not my own pastor. I submit to my dad as my pastor. And so I have a pastor and you should have a pastor too. But you are not anointed to be your own pastor. And somebody needs to hear this right now. But when a pastor anointed by God is teaching God's holy word to the sheep. That is one of the most powerful forces on planet Earth. I want to show you a verse here. Jeremiah chapter three, verse 15. Jeremiah chapter three and verse 15. And I'm going to read this one in the King James. Jeremiah three and verse 15. And this is the word from the Lord to not only the people back then, but to us right now in 2020. It says, and I will give you pastors according to mine heart, which shall feed you with knowledge and understanding. So God said, I'm going to give you pastors after mine own heart. And so who are we to say, well, God, you said you're going to give this to me, but I don't need it. I mean, anything that God wants to give to me, I need. Okay, if God says, I'm going to give you peace, I'm going to give you joy, I'm going to give you healing. Who am I to say? I don't really need those things. Well, God said right here, I'm going to give you pastors according to my heart. How arrogant, how prideful that I mean, that's the height of arrogance to say, God, you said I needed this. You're going to give it to me, but I don't need it. I mean, that is an arrogant and wrong attitude to have. And notice, who does it say? The pastors or shepherds heart do they have who does it say it says they're shepherds after God's heart and so it's so vital that we submit to 
and listen to God's teaching on this area. And I can't tell you how many stories I've heard of just some businessman or some inventor sitting in church and, 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 and a sermon from an anointed pastor just sparks an idea and they go out and invent something that helps change the world. It's amazing to me how we can be in church and the sermon topic may be on finances that day, but somehow it speaks healing to your body or, or restoration to your marriage. How can that, how can that happen? How can we be talking about one totally different thing yet God change your life in another area? This beautiful little word I like to call the anointing. It's the anointing of God. And you cannot get that on your own at home, doing your own thing, being lazy, skipping, you know, whatever. You're not going to get that corporate anointing from the pastor that God has for you if you're doing it on your own. And uh, and that's just that's something that we've probably learned so much in 2020, hopefully by uh, not being able to go to church for a while. But praise God, those days are over. So why do we need church? Well, for one, to learn the Bible, but number two, to publicly worship. We are called as New Testament Christians to assemble together and worship together. Let's look at Acts chapter two, verses one through four. Acts chapter two. Verses 1 through 4, and we've looked at the book of Acts quite a bit over the last couple of months. Uh, of course, our first day back together in the building was on Pentecost Sunday, on May 31st. But, uh, I, man, I love this story. Acts chapter 2, verses 1 through 4. It says, when the day of Pentecost had fully come, they were all with one accord in one place. And suddenly there came a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind and it filled the whole house where they were sitting. Then there appeared to them divided tongues as a fire and one sat upon each of them and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. I love that because I speak in tongues. Our church believes in speaking in tongues and we're not ashamed of that and we're never going to hide that. That's part of who we are as Spirit-filled Christians. But notice here at Verse one here, it says they were all with one accord in one place. It doesn't say they were all in their own homes. They were all scattered everywhere and doing their own thing. And God just somehow, you know, did something to every single buddy when they were all doing their own thing, playing for their own team on their own island under themselves. It doesn't say that they were all together in one accord in one place. And so they were in a church setting. They were under the corporate anointing. There's that word again, anointing. And there's, can you worship God anywhere you want? Absolutely. You can worship God on the subway. You can worship God out in the middle of the desert. You can worship God at your house, on your job. There's no barriers to where you can worship God. But undeniably, there is a corporate anointing, something special that takes place when all of God's children are in the house worshiping together. I don't know a dad or a mom yet that doesn't love to have all their kids together in one place, you know, especially as the kids get older. You see lots of times grandmas and grandpas at Thanksgiving and Christmas that they don't even want any presents. They just want all the kids together again. And think how much God the Father loves that when all his kids are together in one place, unified, singing and praising and worshiping and learning about him, studying his will, studying his book that he left us. Come on. 
God loves that. And that's one of the key reasons that you need church to publicly worship together. And there's going to be lots of corporate worship in heaven. So if you don't like gathering together and and worshiping with other Christians and brothers and sisters, you may not like heaven that much because it's going to be full of big worship services with lots of us together. Revelation chapter seven, verses nine through eleven. So I believe a lot of times that. God's plan for the church here on earth is to be a reflection of things that will take place in heaven. Now, we all fully know that nothing in this world can fully compare to things in heaven. We get that. But I believe that as Jesus prayed, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. There's some great opportunities here on this earth to get a glimpse of what heaven will be like. And one of those is worshiping together as a family under the same roof. Revelation 7, verses 9 through 11, John said, After this I saw a vast crowd, too great to count. Wow, too great to count? From every nation and tribe and people and language standing in front of the throne and before the Lamb. They were clothed in white robes and held palm branches in their hands. And so get this picture, a sea of people, too many to count, Red, yellow, black, and white, they are precious in his sight. Every nationality, every race, every people group together singing praises to God. They're unified. They don't care what color you are. They don't care where you're from or or what church you went down to here on earth. They're just singing praises to God because we're all one Christian family. And so verse 10 says, and they were shouting with a great roar. Salvation comes from our God who sits on the throne and from the lamb. So that's a worship song we're singing. And all the angels were standing around the throne and around the elders and the four living beings. And they fell before the throne with their faces to the ground and worshiped God. Can you imagine this worship service? We've got some Holy Ghost nights here at High Desert Word Center where we worship, we we get wild, we have an awesome, wonderful time, and that's just a little glimpse of how beautiful heaven is going to be, of every color, every tribe, every nation, every language, worshiping Jesus, because we have that in common. We have Jesus in common, and that's the best thing. And so... Don't tell me that Jesus doesn't want to see that down here on earth. Sure, you can worship God anywhere you want, but you cannot get this type of experience sitting at home in your chair, just doing your own thing, being your own pastor, being your own your own leader, being, I mean, how arrogant to tell God, I don't need that. I don't need the church. I don't need a pastor. That is messed up, man. And we need to change that attitude. And so the third thing I'm going to say is this. Why is it that? We need church, well, to bring our tithe to. And so someone will think, well, here they go talking about money. If you think that tithing and offerings are a money issue, you're a little bit beyond my level of help right now. Because if that's your attitude towards something that God calls holy, you've got a bigger set of issues. Tithing and giving offerings and giving, uh, as the King James says, alms or charity, that is not a money issue. That is a heart 
issue. Jesus said, where your treasure, where your money is, there your heart will be also. And so if somebody, if, if tithing verses and offering verses make you feel uncomfortable and you think that, well, there, someone's asking for money, I mean, dear God, keep your money. Never give it out because that is a wrong attitude to have. And it's not a money issue. It's a heart issue. Malachi 3 verses 8 through 10. And so, you know, I've been hearing again some of the, you know, the, the people that don't want to give God, you know, their, their tithe or their money. And well, I mean, that's an old, that's old covenant, brother. That's all old covenant. Man, but listen, I've got, I've, I've been, uh, through three Bible schools. I know a little bit about the Bible. There's plenty of people that know a lot more about me, but I do know this much that when Abraham began tithing to Melchizedek way back in Genesis. Listen, that was before the law was ever written. That was before there ever even was a covenant. So the whole, well, tithing is old, is the, is the law, is the Old Testament law. Tithing predates the Old Testament law, brother. And so if, that, if that's your argument for why you don't want to tithe, then again, man, keep it, you know, whatever, just, but, but you've got some heart issues. And so tithing is not an old covenant thing it is it started way before the old covenant abraham tithe even jacob was a tither and so it's something for us to think about and then in the new testament jesus himself said yes you should tithe and then in the book of hebrews in the book of hebrews uh, it tells us that here on earth mortal men or or preachers pastors priests receive the tithes but in heaven god receives them and so it's in the New Testament. It's way before the Old Testament law was ever written. It's a legit Bible truth that we need to get a hold of. So Malachi chapter 3 verses 8 through 10 in the New Living Translation, it says, Should people cheat God? Well, I don't think they should, but, you know, maybe you do. Yet you have cheated me. But you ask, what do you mean? When did we ever cheat you? You have cheated me of the tithes and offerings due to me. You're under a curse, for your whole nation has been cheating me. Bring all the tithe into the storehouse. So there will be enough food in my temple. If you do, says the Lord of Heaven's armies, I will open the windows of heaven for you. I will pour out a blessing so great you won't have room enough to take it in. Try it. Put me to the test. And so right there, you know, in Malachi, they didn't operate on the same uh, monetary system that we do with a modern day currency as much. And so they would bring their crops and, and, and whatever their income was into the storehouse as a tithe to the Lord. Well, me personally, uh, I don't get paid with corn anymore. I don't get paid with wheat or with, you know, uh, someone doesn't give me an oxen, so I, I can't bring that to the house. But I do get paid paid in uh, United States currency. I get paid in money. And so I bring a tenth of that to my church. And I've done this my whole life. It's just something that I've been taught to do, and I don't regret doing it. I love giving God 10% of what he blessed me with. If God asked for 50% of what I made, that still wouldn't be too much because what he's done for me, I feel like 10%, man, that's the least I could do. And I've tithed every paycheck that I've ever made except one time. And you're like, Pastor Dave, no. Yeah, you know, hey, none of us are perfect. I, I'm one time in college, times were tight. 
And, uh, you know, Katie and I didn't make much money at the time. God always took care of us. But one time I didn't tithe. And the guilt and shame and, and just, I felt awful. Nobody knew it but me. But I felt so awful. Like I had just disobeyed God and and that I hadn't done what I knew was right. And I, I was going to an 8,000 member church. I'm My little $30 tithe was not going to break the church there, but it wasn't about the money. It was about the heart. And so what did I do? It took me a minute, but it took me a few weeks, but I made it up and I gave God extra and I, I apologized and I repented and I've never again missed a tithe. That was the one in my whole life that I could think of that, that I, I, I didn't do it and I repented, but it's not about the money. It's about our heart. And so notice Malachi 3 said to bring it into the temple or in our day and age, bring it in to your church, to your storehouse, to 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 the church that that you worship at. And how can you obey this? How can you bring the tithe into the temple or the storehouse when you yourself are your own pastor? You yourself are your own church. You can't do it. And you can sit there and try to you know make up. Well, technically this and technically that. But. Come on, man. Everybody sees that smoke you're blowing. That's just you're lying to yourself to make yourself feel better. God's will is for every New Testament Christian to have a church that they can go learn the Bible in, a pastor that can uh, look out for them, and, of course, a place that they can bring their tithe into. And so, uh, praise God. Tithing isn't you doing a favor to God or the pastor. It's a favor for you from God. This isn't you. Well, you know, I'm doing God a favor. I'm giving him some money. He doesn't need your money, man. Well, I'm I'm, I'm helping the church out here. It's not you're not helping the church out. God will take care of us no matter what. But this is a favor. It is an honor that God gives to you for you to prove yourself because he said where your treasure is, your heart is. So for you to prove that you're serious about this whole thing and also for God to open the windows of heaven and pour out blessings in your life. Amen. And so um, another uh, beautiful reason for us to have a church and be in church is to belong to a family. We all need a family that we can belong to. And this benefit is one of the most irreplaceable things in the world. You know, we all have a biological family. Some people have awesome, wonderful families. And we've got a church full of wonderful families here. But I, I'm aware not everybody has that with their biological family. I, I've learned that more and more over the years that not everybody has an awesome relationship with their dad and mom and their brothers and sisters. In fact, some people, I mean, they don't have any contact at all. And that hurts my heart. But we do have an opportunity to belong to a church family and that camaraderie, that relationship is like nothing else in this world. And, you know, to, to be, uh, to, to be a good, uh, part of that family, you know, you need to not, you need to not always ask, well, what can they do for me? What can my church family do for me? It's like John F. Kennedy said, the great president, he said, don't ask what your country can do for you. Ask what you can do for your country. And as a church, we want to do everything we can for you. And hey, sometimes we're not perfect. I, I wish we were as perfect as, as, as you are. But uh, until then, we need to ask the question. It's not all about what can everybody else do for me, but what are you doing to help the rest of the family out? And let me, uh, let's look at a verse here. Hebrews 10, verse 25. 
Hebrews 10, verse 25. And as we're flipping over there, um, you know, one of the hip words of the last decade is, you know, calling your church your church community. And, you know, I get parts of that, but I don't I'm not a huge fan of that word because for me, I grew up in a big family and the word family means a lot more to me than the word community does. Um, I love my community. I love everybody in Barstow. I love everybody in the high desert, but I love my own family a whole lot more than I love them. And, you know, even here when it comes to church, I love everybody, you know, everybody everywhere. You know, I'm a lover, but I love the people in this church and the people that are my family a whole lot more than I love everybody else. A community is great, but it's really awesome to have a family. And so Hebrews 10 Verse 25, it says, let us not neglect our church meetings as some people do, but rather encourage and warn each other, especially now that the day of his coming back is drawing near. And so how do we start this whole sermon talking about how the day of his coming back is drawing near? And so New Testament, Hebrews 10, verse 25 tells us church is important. Our church meetings, our meeting together is important, but it's especially important now that the day of his coming back is drawing near. And so if you ever thought church was important, it's really important right now. And notice it doesn't just say to come to church so, uh, you know, everybody can scratch your back, everybody can do things for you. No, it says so we can encourage and warn each other. It's all a two-way street. And I'm telling you right now that it's the end times. The day of his coming back is drawing near. But it is so important for you, wherever you are, wherever you're listening from right now, to be hooked up to a solid Bible believing Jesus preaching church. That's that's the best tool and weapon and gift that you can have in these days. Let's kind of close this out in prayer before we do our tithes and offerings. And I just believe God's speaking to your heart right now, whoever you are, wherever you are, and doing some things and 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 building you up and correcting you. Father, in Jesus name, I thank you, Lord, for the word of God that we've just read, Lord. And it's not we're not stretching anything. We're not adding to we're not taking away from any of these verses we just read. We know, Lord, your will is for every New Testament Christian to be hooked up with a great church, a great pastor, to be obedient with their worship, obedient with their their tithing, Lord, and obedient in their submission. So I pray that you're speaking to our hearts. And and if if we don't go to church right now, Lord, help us find the right one. If we do go to church, help us to find out how we can be an even better uh, church member and blessing to the rest of the family, Lord. We love you and thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Hallelujah. So let's go ahead and we're going to take up our Sunday night tithes and offerings. And we're going to look at a verse here in Galatians chapter 6. Galatians chapter 6. And uh, this is a verse that I love, man. I I love uh, and all of Galatians chapter 6 is some pretty fire stuff. But uh, Galatians chapter 6. And verse 7, it says, don't be misled. You cannot mock the justice of God. You will always harvest what you plant or you will always reap what you sow. Notice there it doesn't say that you will reap what you want. You will reap what you wish for. No, it says you reap 
what you sow. I remember one time we were in a great financial need, Katie and I, and, and I was like, honey, let's pray and, and let's start believing for a harvest. And she kind of looked at me puzzled, like, why are you believing for a harvest? Uh, she said, uh, you haven't planted any seed. And I was like, oh, man, I mean, that hurts. <laughs> but it's the truth. And I was we got to get some seed in the ground right now. You can't be expecting some harvest if you never planted any seed. What kind of farmer goes out to the field and says, man, I can't wait till the corn comes up. I can't wait for these watermelons. And if somebody says, well, what did you plant? Well, I didn't plant anything, but I'm just believing for that harvest to come in. You'd look at that guy like he was a fool. And he would be because you can't reap a harvest on something you never planted. But the good news is you can reap a harvest on the things you have planted. And notice it says you can't mock the justice of God or God is not mocked. The King James says you will reap what you sow. This goes to every area of our life. And it, of course, it goes to the area of finances also. So I encourage you that if you've been planting seeds, if you've been giving offerings and, 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 and doing what God's word says to do, you have a harvest coming your way. But you've got to believe for it and you've got to know that this word is true. If you're giving, hdwc.org slash giving is a wonderful way to give. And we appreciate everybody that's been so faithful. Amen. Let's speak some words of faith over our giving tonight. As we bring the Lord's tithe and give offerings today, we believe we receive jobs or better jobs, promotions, raises and bonuses, benefits, sales and commissions, growth and business, settlements, estates and inheritances, interest and income, rebates and returns, checks in the mail, gifts and surprises, finding money, bills paid off, debts paid off, royalties received, blessings and increase. Thank you, Lord, for meeting all my financial needs so I have more than enough to take good care of my family, to give generously in the kingdom of God, and promote the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. That is some good stuff right there, and you need to believe those words. Amen. So let's go ahead and close out with our Barstow Faith Confession. Remember, we will see you guys Wednesday night at 7. So many wonderful things going on right now. Stay connected going into this summer. Amen. Let's speak these words. We declare that Barstow is a blessed city. Our families are blessed. Our schools are blessed. Our churches are blessed. Barstow is healed. Barstow is prospering. Barstow is safe. Barstow is strong. Barstow is surrounded by the walls of God's salvation. Barstow is full of love, joy, and peace. Barstow is full of the glory of God. Barstow is coming to Jesus. Barstow is saved in Jesus' name Amen. We love you guys. We will see you soon. Thank you for listening to this podcast. For more information, visit hdwc.org.